Good morning. It is good to see you here this morning. It is, of course, my privilege to bring you a message from God's Word today. And what God has laid on my heart for this morning's message is taken from the uh, third chapter of Lamentations. The title of my message this morning is, What Should We as Christians or Christ Followers Be Looking Forward to in 2020? And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, in 2021. Uh, 2020 is the one that everybody's trying to look past, right? Uh, but 2020 has been an interesting year, has it not? We have faced uh, many, many trials, and uh, even, you know, in, even in those of us who are a little older in our lifetimes, unprecedented, uh, to the point where I think a lot of us feel like uh, this is the worst that it's ever been. Um, you know, it's the first time in my lifetime, and as far as I know, in the last 100 plus years that we've had a, world, a true worldwide pandemic to the level that we've seen with, uh, with COVID-19. And with that brought about many, many trials. Uh, we've seen people, and I'm sure we know of or know people who've lost, lost jobs, um, who have you know, lost time at work, so then they've lost income. Um, I know personally people who have lost uh, loved ones, not necessarily due to COVID-19, but uh, because of the year that we're in. So I'm just thinking of things that you know, kind of drag us down, right? Um, so people have, have lost their lives, um, and people, unfortunately, no one that I know of in, in, uh, you know, from COVID-19, but as I said, from other things. So there are people that are grieving the loss of spouses and loved ones. Um, we've gone through uh, you know, one of the most uh, ugly <laughs> political climates that I've seen in my lifetime. And from my reading of history, my understanding is that maybe it's not the worst that it's ever been, but it's, it was bad, and it's not getting any better, is it? Um, we, we live in a, in a society where we now have, in my opinion, good cause to distrust those who are bringing information to us. And then on top of it, we have you know, layered over that social media, which has been a huge blessing and a huge curse as well. And then because of all the different trials that we're going through, we're seeing and experiencing a lot of isolation and loneliness, and, you know, which is bringing about real physical, emotional, and psychological, and I would even you know, posit spiritual um, trials and troubles for people. So all of that brings us to the point where uh, I don't think that there is a person that I've talked to who isn't looking forward to 2021. I'll get it right now. Um, because 2020 has just been a real, real long slog, and it's been difficult, right? So we as believers, and actually people in general, we look forward to new beginnings anyway. We like new things, don't we? We like you know, new gadgets and gizmos at home. We like new appliances. We like, you know, some people like new cars. We like uh, new friendships. We like brand new things. Bouncing brand new baby children are some of the things that we love to see and hold and, and experience. Um, everything when it's new seems fresh and, and wonderful. And so we look forward to that. Um, even some of our favorite things are anything new like kittens or puppies, right? But 
what we've experienced, and as bad as it's been, isn't, there's nothing new under the sun, as has often been said. And so what we're experiencing on, on certain levels is really no different than what has always been you know, the human experience. And so that brings me to my text of Lamentations chapter 3. Now, Lamentations is believed to have been written by the prophet Jeremiah. And if, if, you, go, if you haven't read it, please go through and, and read up a little on the history of Jeremiah. But Jeremiah certainly went through very trying times as a prophet of God. He, he was a reluctant prophet of God to begin with. He, had, he you know, was, was under a lot of stress trying to uh, minister to several kings. And even, you know, at one point found himself put into a pit uh, where, you know, they, it was, they were trying to decide whether they were going to kill him or send him away. And then kind of the, one of the final and worst indignities that Jeremiah had to experience was the fall of Jerusalem when it was, you know, completely obliterated and the people of, uh, of Judah were taken away in exile. And uh, in that, he was, you know, so despondent, but still so focused on serving the Lord in his, you know, to his promised people in his chosen place that he refused to, to go on to Babylon and stayed behind. So Jeremiah knew a lot of heartache. And from all of that heartache and all of the trials that he went through, um, I believe that he was the, the author who wrote these words. So let's kind of, as, as I go through this, I'm going to break it up a little bit because I want us to also um, identify with what exactly it is that, uh, that Jeremiah is writing to us and, and identify with it to see that we're not so different um, in, what, in what we experience. And hopefully that's going to bring us to the conclusion that God would, would want us to have. So in Jeremiah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we, we read, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. I'm going to pause for a moment there. So it, it, we can all agree that we've seen affliction, right? In our lifetimes and especially in this year. Take special note, though, of he said he was driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Two things there. One is, you'll notice that the pronoun is going to come up frequently, he, and wanted to point out that the, uh, the author, or the, you know, the poet who's writing Lamentations, is ascribing you know, his plight to God. Okay? So, an observation on that that I, keep, that I want us to keep in mind. That while our, uh, while our plights are often driven by our actions, you know, the, uh, the writer of Lamentations is kind of shaking his fist and saying, you know, God, you did this to me. You allowed this to happen. You're actively involved in where I find myself to be. And I say that not to, to cast blame on God, but to remind us that God's not surprised by that. God chose to, to include the book of Lamentations in his word. And God doesn't want us to stay there, but he's also not surprised and he's not... Um, He's not harmed as long as we don't stay there. He understands why, you know, why the experience that we have to go through might cause us to feel and act and even say the types of things that, that the author here is writing. But we, we want to be you know, conscious of the fact that that's a normal human condition as long as we deal with it in an appropriate and godly fashion. All right, so picking it up again. 
Um, he has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. Now that, uh, that really is speaking to kind of a premature aging when he uh, is writing about, he made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken his bones. Um, he didn't mean literally there. He's just talking about really that it's, uh, it's conveying in the original language the idea of a premature aging. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. And what is more dark than the darkness that the dead would experience, right? And that was actually one thing that I, I jumped past um, back in verse 2 where he said, he has driven me and brought me into darkness without light. Darkness is often um, you know, a great uh, illustration of the difference between our sinful lives and the glory of God. Remember, there are, you know, the, the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. You know, and in him there is no darkness. And yet we find ourselves in places of darkness. And in darkness, there's no place more despairing. Um, uh, a little uh, uh, illustration for that. My wife, even though she grew up in the, in the country, is scared to death to be outside in the dark. Or actually anywhere in the dark really isn't, isn't too thrilled about that, you know, that reality. Why would that be? It's not just because she's odd, because actually all of us have a fear of the dark, just a little more pronounced in her, in her instance. But why do we have a fear of the dark? Because we walk and we live by sight an awful, awful lot, don't we? It's one of our most powerful senses. And it's something that brings us great comfort when we can see and understand what we, what we see. If there's an absence of light, we don't understand it. We don't have a handle on what's going on around us. And it's very disconcerting. And the other thing I think that you know, we'll, you'll find as you study Scripture and as we go through this is that um, God, since Jesus is light, he wants us to be drawn to the light. So it's a natural inclination that God's put in us to have that fear of darkness so that it would help to drive us to the light and comfort that is, uh, that is God, and especially through his son Jesus. Pick it up again at verse 7. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. And again, you know, this to relate to it, the, uh, the writer, the poet in, this, you know, in Jeremiah in this instance is saying that he's, he's a prisoner. He has become enslaved to his circumstances and the, and the pain and the suffering that he's going through. Something that we should all identify with at times, right? He, again, is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. Speaking there of very real physical threat and danger. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. Interesting turn of a phrase there when he says, um, he has filled me with bitterness and he has sated me with wormwood. Um, the, the words for wormwood and bitterness there really speak of poison. And that uh, would be, it's a little bit um, of an oxymoron to be satisfied with poison, isn't it? Other than it would bring an end to the suffering that, that the uh, writer is experiencing. 
He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. Now, there again, uh, it's believed that some of what Jeremiah is writing about there is as Jerusalem was under siege, they were, they, they were under siege for quite some time and they likely ran short of food. And so they were probably scraping the, the bottom of the, uh, of the threshing floor and of the grinding, you know, the mill, millstone wheel and everything. And uh, it was not high quality food anymore. They were actually you know, starving to death. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope in the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. I'm going to pause for a minute there because we see just exactly what, that, that the existence, the, the experiences of Jeremiah are in some ways very similar to ours. That It really, really has brought him to a low point. And I think that's where, you know, so often we find ourselves and then we start to look for those new beginnings, those new things that, that take our focus off of God. And so we, we look for relief from the plight that we're under. So specifically relating back to where we find ourselves right now, uh, you know, many people are understandably longing for an end to you know, the pandemic. Well, um, I, I echo that and I share that you know, prayer because you know, I'm praying that God would remove that from us. But even if the pandemic were to just miraculously be ended today, would that end the trials and the you know, tribulations that we go through? And would we be satisfied with, what, with the situation that we find ourselves in? And I would submit to you that it wouldn't satisfy us for very long. We'll find other things then that weigh us down either the interpersonal things that continue to go on, or you know, we, we need more money, we need um, a happier home, we need a bigger house, whatever it might be, our souls aren't satisfied with those new things that we long for so often because they're things that, and those things don't satisfy. So that brings us to my, my first point, which is, God's love and mercy will be new in 2021. So we've seen how you know, we long for things, that new, new things are common, even in our experience, for us to long for. But, as again, I say, I, they don't satisfy and they won't satisfy. So suddenly we see a very dramatic turn in the, in the uh, writings of the poet as we read on in verse 21, when he, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What? After he just talked about all these things that, you know, he, he's got bears and lions and bears that are waiting to tear him apart. He's taking arrows to, to you know, the kidney, which you know, euphemistically in the Hebrew uh, culture, that was like the center of their being. So that would be our heart is how we would have said it if we were writing it today. Um, He's, uh, his flesh is wasting away. He's prematurely aging. He's dealing with affliction. He's, he's being driven into darkness. He's in despair and, and just absolutely, I'm sure, anxious and, uh, and, and is completely depressed about everything that he's seeing. And suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, he writes, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And what does he hope for? What is it that he called to mind? 
the next verse, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is, his faith, is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So suddenly we find out exactly what it is that Jeremiah, you know, what brings him hope. What can suddenly take circumstances that sound absolutely desolate and hopeless and turn them into hope. And, not the, and, and it's so important for us to have hope. If you talk to anyone who's uh, dealing with folks who are you know, speaking with my doctor and different people, there's just so much hopelessness in our world right now because of the circumstances we're in. But as I said, even if we remove those circumstances, our, our need is still a spiritual need, is the most important need that we have. And just as Jeremiah was writing about, he had every physical, emotional, um, you know, even uh, you know, different needs that, that were not being met. And it sounds like you know, my, you know, his circumstance is as bad as it can get, and he even would you know, take dying by poison. And suddenly he says, but he has hope. And he has hope because of the Lord's mercy never ceasing. They never come to an end, and they're new every morning. So God's love and, and mercy and his forgiveness set us free. Sets us free from the despair and the desolation of those circumstances that we find ourselves in. But how do we know that? How do we know, you know, okay, it's great that Jeremiah says that, but where else can we find that in God's word, right? What else could, could cause us to say, all right, that hope is well-founded. We can put our faith in you know, what Jeremiah is saying here. Well, it's actually sprinkled throughout Scripture if we look. First place I'd want to point out would be um, that when uh, I said God's forgiveness sets us free is uh, John 1, 1 John, I'm sorry, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sounds a little odd, but again, I said my, my, uh, my thesis to you is that it is our spiritual need that is the greatest need that we have. And if we know that that's going to take, be taken care of, then we can place our faith in the hope that, uh, that is before us that's offered by God. Another uh, great verse that comes to mind is that tells us that God is all-powerful. In other words, he's got this. The whole circumstances, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how hopeless it is, God's got this because he is all-powerful. He's so strong, he can take care of it. And one that came to mind was uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, which, which reads, To another faith by the same Spirit, to another uh, he gives to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the abilities to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. I think I got that reference wrong. Hmm, okay. Um, I'm not sure that's what I wanted to put there. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> and uh, another thing that comes to mind is our trials bring about God's purposes. And we know this from verses such as Romans 8, 28, uh, where he says, for we, know, um, for we know that all things work together for good 
for, who love the Lord, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. The important thing to remember in that verse, though, is those who are called according to his purpose. So, back to John 1.9, we have to confess, but we have to confess what we've been called to, and we have to confess those sins. So we need to make sure that we're a child of God. Another reason that we know that God's love and mercy will be new in 2021 uh, is found that we know that God's mercies are limitless. And we know that one place that we know that from is Deuteronomy 7.9, which reads, Now know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So we know that God is faithful, and that's extremely important because if we're going to place our hope in someone, or then, then it has to be something that we can count on, right? None of the things of this world, they all pass away, but we know that God is faithful and, and that he keeps his covenant and his love out to a thousand generations. And we know this even going back further in, uh, from the very beginning of Scripture when we think of the first covenant that God made, the Abrahamic covenant, where it was God who, uh, who walked through the, the, the torn apart animal because he was the only one. He was clearly showing us he was the only one who could make the covenant and who could keep it. And for time and time and time again, God has shown that he keeps his covenant and that his love for us is so great that, that uh, that's the reason for that, which, of course, uh, you know, another great verse that we all remember from way back and everyone has heard quoted is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life, right? So we know that God is love and that God is faithful and God's in control. Psalm 46.10 tells us that we need to sometimes just stop, stop all of our beating the air, trying to do things, because psalmist, the psalmist was writing to us, be still and know that I am God. And when he's saying, be still and know that I am God, we know that it's because he, he is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he can do all things. So we can place our faith and trust in him. That's so important. Point number two, God's love and mercy will satisfy in 2021, which is really important to us. It's great that they'll be new, but our problem is we're never satisfied, are we? We get, you know, as I said, we always want new things, and we get something new, and it, gets, it becomes old, right? And then it doesn't satisfy. Um, when went 29 and a half years ago, about, with a lot of help, Wendy and I began building our house, and several people made the now um, somewhat humorous to me comment that, well, it's, it's really well that you're building a new house because then you won't have to deal with uh, you know, all the things breaking down and the maintenance and things that come with, with a home. Well, um, as you might have guessed, if you live in a place long enough, <laughs> eventually, like everything else in our world, it wears out, falls apart, or needs, uh, needs refurbishing. Nothing else that needs a new coat of paint, right, honey? All right. So, <laughs> so, so there, is, there is nothing that stays new for very long. And yet, God's mercies are new every day so that we can be satisfied. Because God knows our heart. He knows that 
if we had to just rely on, well, okay, he did that way back in the day with Abraham, and then you know, we've seen a few of those things, yeah, but we can rely on it, we wouldn't be satisfied, would we? We'd be looking for something new. We'd be thinking, okay, we haven't heard from God. We don't know that we can still count on him. And yet, we, we, we know because he's faithful that we can put our hope in him and our faith in him, and those new mercies will be there for us every day, like the rising of the sun. We'll know that God's mercies are there for us. And, and it, but it's important to realize that the only way that we'll be cognizant of what God is, uh, is, is conveying to us in those new mercies is through his word. It's not just something that we conjure up. It's something that we have to search his word so that we'll know all of the things that I've been mentioning, knowing that God is faithful, God, knowing that God is omniscient, knowing that God is omnipresent, knowing that God's all-powerful, uh, and, and knowing that God is all-loving so that he cares about us to be reminded ourselves that that's why we can place our hope and trust in him every day and that that newness will help sustain us because it will satisfy us. And many verses speak of satisfaction in the Lord. Here are just a few. Psalm 17, 15, which reads, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. So again, we're going we're gonna to gonna know who God is, and that will, that will be enough. Psalm 63, 5. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. That's, that's a nice satisfaction. Again, from an earthly standpoint, food doesn't satisfy for a long time, but in our house, that's a, that's a pretty big source of satisfaction. We love to eat. So uh, something very relatable, though. The, the psalmist is saying, just like that, how satisfying that is, that's, what, that's who God is for us. And it's actually going to cause us, and it should cause us, to be joyful to the point of singing and praising his name. Proverbs 19.23 the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. I chose that partly for, another, uh, for, for a secondary reason, not just because of the satisfaction, but also because we have so many fears in our world and in our lives these days. It's important to realize that it, even though it sounds a little bit oxymoronic, God's, the, the, the writer of Proverbs is saying the fear of the Lord leads to life, and that that brings satisfaction. That's a fear that isn't a fear that leads to cowering and, um, and uh, uh, anxiety. It's a fear that actually brings hope. Because again, it's not based on what we know and what our world is all about. It's based on who God is and who, you know, and who he should be to us. And so, um, I, again, I say that uh, to be satisfied in the Lord is what we should be looking for in a new way, in a, every new day, because that is what's going to completely, um, it, it can completely take away all of the angst that we have in our lives that are, and the fears that we have as we um, walk through this crazy life. And that brings me to my third point. Because, because of God's faithfulness, we have hope. So important Again, as, as I had mentioned before, it's so important to realize that it's not our faithfulness, it's not our power, it's not our ability to be obedient 
It's because of God's faithfulness and all of, in all of the ways that he has been over the years. And, and the one that we cannot walk past without mentioning is we were born in sin, and God knew that. That separated us from him, and so there's no way that we could be reconciled to him. There was no way that we could have an, a lasting hope because we had no, no assurance of everlasting life. Before, before uh, you know, the world began, God knew that that was going to be our plight. And so rather than let us try to figure it out and come up with something later, God had a plan set in, you know, set in place from the very beginning of the world. And he put that plan in place to send his son to die on the cross to take care of our sin that we could never, we could never take care of. And that is... And, and that means that the first place that we need to go when we're needing to be reminded of, of God's faithfulness is his word. And that will also remind us of his mercy toward us, and as I said, which, which was you know, the, the penultimate moment, moment of that uh, mercy being offered to us was in the form of Jesus Christ. God's hope is different from our wishing type hope. So when, uh, when, when the writer of Lamentations talks about um, the Lord is my portion in verse 24, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. It's not a hope like, gee, I hope, I wish that that would happen. It's a hope that we can place our trust in and know for certain that, that, you know, that, that God's going to bring to fruition everything that he, that he started. So remember, God's hope is different from our wishing. His are promises that he keeps and he's faithful to keep. And we, when we face our daily trials, God even recorded many verses to strengthen and reassure us. And I see those are, are on there. I was just going to read a couple of them. So for temptation in 1 Corinthians 10.13, he reminds us that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation... He will also provide the way of escape that you will, you will be able to endure it. That should bring us great comfort because, I don't know about you, but I sin every day. I seem to be really good at it. Better, much better than I'd like to be. So it brings me great comfort to know that, that the temptations that I face are not any different than anyone else has, has taken. But then I need to not just rest in that, I need to remember that I need to ask for forgiveness, which is why that's the next verse on the list, which we had already spoken about before in 1 John 1, 9, if, you know, where it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't want to stay in the muck that we put ourselves into, and God's the only one that can pull us out of that. And it's, and it's just absolutely satisfying to me to know that not only that there's a way, but that God even tells us what that way is and that it's, uh, that it's completely dependent on him, not dependent on my strength, my, um, even though I need to trust and obey and try to be obedient every day, when I fail, God's not going to say, oh, sorry, the mercy, you know, the mercy level is too low now. You ran out of it. It's too late. You've, you've, you've you know, run out, the sand's run out on that hourglass, so no more mercy for you. That should cause us great comfort. That should absolutely give us hope. And the protection of the Lord is 
uh, is also spoken of. Um, in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, we see, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So the temptations aren't new. Yes, we bring a lot of them on ourselves, but he also actually gives us protection. But that's, again, that's not, um, that's not something that we just wait for to see if it happens. Because God talks about in other places, like in Galatians, what are we supposed to do? Put on the full armor of God. It's, you know, it's not our armor, it's his armor. But it's important to take that step, because otherwise we're still just leaving ourselves exposed to the arrows, just like uh, Jeremiah was talking about there. So if we want to have complete hope and complete comfort and complete satisfaction, and to know that our hope is not in vain, we need to be obedient to taking those steps. So uh, that brings me to my conclusion. We're charged to be faithful to the Lord. So if, if we're not faithful, then we still find ourselves kind of on the outside looking in. First thing that we need to be faithful in is we need to be a child of God. If we've never established that relationship with Jesus Christ, then we, you know, we have no hope. We have no, um, for lack of a better term, access to the faithfulness that is God's, that we can put our faith in. So, so that's the first step. But then we need to be obedient so that we can continue to walk you know, in, in, his, uh, in his armor and in his protection, right? And, uh, and a couple of verses that I think are helpful, uh, it, cementing that in our minds, are 1 Corinthians 4.2, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Right? So, again, it, it, God's not just saying, okay, great, you're mine, do whatever you want. No, he still wants us to be faithful. He still wants us to be about his business. He still wants us to, um, to uh, look to his word and his guidance for his will so that then we can be found faithful, as uh, the writer of Corinthians wrote. And also in First Peter, he writes, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good, he still wants us to, to do good. He still wants us to, to emulate his righteousness, even though we can never fully achieve it, even though we can't be as perfect as Jesus Christ is. We still need to, um, to emulate that and to, to be a reflection of that in our world. The third chapter of Lamentations, those verses uh, 22 through 20 three, really, ought to bring to mind a great old hymn of the faith, which was uh, written by Thomas Chisholm. And, and that, that hymn just kept kind of reverberating through my mind, and I wanted to make sure that, that you were remembering it today as well. It was based on this, this verse in Lamentations, and uh, it was written by Thomas O. Chisholm. And when he wrote, Great is Thy Faithfulness, uh, interesting to note, he, Thomas Chisholm knew hardship as well. He was never a wealthy man. He never had much. He even wrote about that at the end of his life, that, that um, his life had many hardships. But he, he would be remiss in not giving God great glory for his faithfulness and all of the many blessings. That's why he wrote, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be.
So if, if we're going to emulate God and we're going to um, be obedient so that we can have those new beginnings, so that we can have the um, assurance, satisfaction, and hope of being like Christ and his, of his protection, then that should give us a lot of hope for the new year, right? And so I'm not saying don't make your New Year's resolutions, don't make goals or plans, but I'm saying in front of those, put God's word and put your faith in God first. And then he will guide and direct your paths so that those things will be kept in their proper perspective because they're still going to disappoint. Our plans will still fail no matter how well, uh, how well we lay them out if they're not based on God's will and God's direction. So make sure that uh, every day you're looking for that new beginning, the new mercies that come from God, not from the things that we, you know, we so much desire in our lives. So as we, as we uh, move forward from you know, our time here together, I had a couple things I wanted to, us to kind of mull over and to, to push forward through into 2021. Uh, oh, there I got the wrong date, or wrong calendar year again. No, I did that right. Think of three ways the Lord has shown faithfulness to you in 2020. So um, again, to try to you know, put perspective on our experience of 2020, where it's so easy to think about all of the things um, that are going wrong in the world. Think about how God has moved you through the year of 2020 and what a blessing that's been and how his faithfulness is what carried you along. And then I would ask you to tell someone about the Lord's faithfulness and what those new beginnings from him you're looking forward to in 2021 so that we can put that kind of lens on what we're looking forward to and why we're looking forward to it. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, allowing us to lament and, and allowing us to uh, take this time today to just pause, reflect a little bit on where you've placed us in, uh, in the world and how, Father, you have been faithful and that you continue to give us hope. That that faithfulness has, uh, it extends to the fact that you know, we're still here, we're still breathing, we are able to take nourishment. Father, we, we have so many earthly blessings that you've blessed us with. It's easy to then lose sight of the fact that it's Jesus Christ that not only makes all of that possible, but that also gives us the hope that we feel in our hearts and the new mercies that we experience every day. But also, Father, gives us a reason for doing what we do and, and uh, gives us a focus for our lives to magnify his name and to bring glory to you. So it's in his name that we ask you would, um, you would bless our, our final song, and we ask that you would be lifted up and pleased with who we are. In Christ's name, amen. amen.